Welcome to the Calgary Ward 5 virtual debate. While this debate is being held virtually via Zoom and YouTube, we would like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional lands of the Treaty 7 territories and Region 3 of the Métis Nations of Alberta. Participating Ward 5 candidates will square off in a debate tonight about the issues posed by you, the residents of Calgary and Ward 5. Good evening, and my name is Christopher Brown, the host of the Cross Border Interview Podcast, and tonight I will be your moderator. Prior to tonight's debate, we reached out to all candidates who were vying for the position of Ward 5 Councillor. Candidates were, candidates were given the exact same information and the same details about tonight's debate. Participating candidates in today's debate are as followed in alphabetical order by last name. Anandchetti, Tudor Dinka, Tahir Malali, Stan Sadu, and Aryan Sadat. The candidates have agreed to tonight's debate, and I will try my best after I apologize for mispronouncing probably five out of the five candidates who are here tonight uh, on schedule as well. Over the last few weeks, we have had over 65 submissions for tonight's debate alone. The candidates were not given the questions prior to tonight's debate, but they were given the topics. Those topics include policing and safety in our communities, public transportation, COVID-19 and the mask mandate, property taxes, businesses, and your priorities, meaning the candidates' priorities for Ward 5. Each candidate will have a one-minute opening statement. Now, for those who are watching via YouTube, we will bring in the candidates now. Here they are. Opening statements will go in alphabetical order by last name. Uh, Anand, you will start with opening statements, and you will have one minute whenever you are ready. Okay, thank you, Chris. My name is Anand Chetty, and... Um, for too long, I've been very disillusioned with government. Government looks to people to help them prosper instead of looking to help the people prosper. And it's time when, that we change that. So I'm uh, what you would call a revolutionist. We need to put people first and try and help them prosper and reduce the size of government and make sure government is there to help them uh, prosper in whichever way that we can. Thank you. Okay, uh, Tudor, you have one minute whenever you are ready. Great, thank you, Chris. Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Tudor Dinka and I'm running for city councilor here in Ward 5. Uh, first off, I would like to thank Cross Border Podcasts and especially Chris for hosting this digital debate. For those of you watching, like in 2017, uh, I am running once again in Ward 5 because I grew up in this area. I am attached to the people and I am running to help it develop and reach new heights. When I ran four years ago, it was evident that we had to do better with our public transportation, that the city was building new unsustainable communities while also neglecting our established neighborhoods. Four years later, I have not seen much improvement in these fields. My campaign is heavily focused on building better communities, improving our public transportation, promoting uh, community engagement, sustainability, and safety. I hope throughout this debate that all the candidates will offer real solutions for the current challenges faced by Ward 5. And I'm looking forward to the discussion. Thank you so much.
Thank you. To hear, a minute to yourself whenever you are ready. Thank you very much for the invitation, Chris, and thank you all for joining us. I'm glad most of us were able to make it tonight. Um, and it's an opportunity here to exercise the democratic process. My name is Tahir Morali. I'm running for Ward 5 City Councilor, and I look forward to your vote on October 18th, or if you so choose, by Sunday, um, if you were, wish to vote early. I have lived in Calgary for over 25 years. I have spent a number of years here in our ward of five of the Northeast. I have raised my family here. I have had the opportunity to see the world. I've seen cities across this great globe, not only here in Canada, but also across the world. I am a project manager. I have public sector and private sector experience, both with startups and Fortune 500s. I'm committed to public service. I'm committed to serving you, the people of Ward 5. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Arun, minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Very good afternoon. Good evening to you, Chris, and also to your listeners. Uh, my name is Aryan Sadat. By profession, I'm a lawyer. I practice law here in Calgary. And a brief introduction, I ran in 2017 as well. And uh, starting back in October 2020, I started to contacting the residents and start talking about the issues that we're facing in Ward 5. Uh, unfortunately, 85% of my platform is from 20, uh, sorry, 85% of my platform is from 2017. And I look forward to serving Ward 5 as counselor. Sorry. It, oh, you still have 30 seconds there. Uh, are you done? I don't know why you showed me 15 seconds. Sorry. I, I apologize. Uh, it, it flipped over. I'll, I I'll, I'll just give you an extra 10 seconds. There. I'll give you an extra 10 seconds there whenever you're uh, ready. All right. So I'm ready now. Sorry. Just, to, I just before you put me on that, I just want to make one thing clear that I have, was double booked. So I'm just sitting at my friend's office and using my phone. So if I do get a call in between, my apologies to your listeners and those who are watching. So no a brief introduction, I can go. Go ahead. All right. As I said, 85% of my platform is from 2017, and I am looking forward to serve the residents with respect to the issues of public safety, safer communities, including also transit, and also dealing with the current issues that we're facing in Ward 5 and that have been neglected in the past 15 to 20 years. My name is Aryan Sadat, and I want to be your counselor on October 18th. Thank you. Stan, minute to yourself whenever you're ready. Hi, everyone. I'm Stan Sandu, and I'm running for Ward 5 City Councillor. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Chris. Uh, thanks for sending this up and to all the other candidates that joined. Uh, it's an honour to be on this platform with all of you. Uh, so I'm a born and raised Canadian. Uh, I, I went to Lester B. Pearson High School. I'm a product from Northeast Calgary. I uh, went on to the University of Calgary and professionally I worked as a pricing actuary as a, uh, in my corporate career. I'm an avid volunteer in our community with our youth. I, I volunteer with ice hockey, basketball and soccer. I'm a board member at the Genesis Center and I've been at 
I've been a contributing member of, of the uh, community for our, for many, many years. Uh, for the last four years, I was actually the chief of staff uh, in the office that I'm now running for. And I worked on many positive uh, projects that brought investment right here into Northeast Calgary. The Genesis uh, Center, artificial turf fields, uh, the new funding for the Cornerstone uh, uh, Rec Center and the high school site, public safety, hailstorm, relief and recovery, and so much more. So what I bring to the table is experience, and I'll continue to fight for Northeast Calgary from day one. Thank you so much. Now we will turn to the topics of tonight's debate. Once I pose a question, each candidate will have two minutes to respond to said question. So this question, we will be starting off with Tudor, and this is about policing and safety in our communities. This question is, comes from Stephen. With the rise of petty crime in our ward, how will you ensure that police have the necessary resources to keep our community safe? Whenever you're ready, two minutes. Great. Thank you for the uh, question, Chris, and to the person who wrote it. Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, compared to four years ago when I first ran for city councillor, one of the things that I noticed, especially in the neighborhoods of Castle Ridge and Falkeridge, and even to some extent a little bit of Martindale, is the increased presence of uh, uh, homeless people and people that um, and and people that might be engaging in suspicious activity. Uh, I've been told by many constituents in the area that unfortunately they're seeing an increase in petty crime and they want that to be addressed for, uh, by whomever will be elected. Um, the expectation that the Calgary Police Service be able to address every single issue uh, for such a large area is difficult because they do have limited resources, and that's something that we also have, always have to focus on, on how can we expand the budget and increase the resources that they have. But one way we can reduce um, the uh, petty crime issue is by providing more affordable housing for people who are on the street. Of course, not every homeless person commits crime, but there are some situations when that is the case uh, out of need of survival and moving forward in their very difficult situation. If I were to be elected as counselor, I would put a priority of creating more affordable housing in our uh, Ward 5 uh, constituency. Unfortunately, for those who don't know, according to the Calgary Housing Corporation, between 2000 and 2010, which was a decade of absolute boom for the city, the city had only built 5% of its current affordable housing stock. This means that when we had the opportunity to do so, we did not build more affordable housing. And now we're in a situation of recession where people have fallen through the gaps and we have, do not have the uh, appropriate housing to address these issues. So that's one way that we can help uh, reduce petty crime by helping those who are in those difficult situations that have to resort to petty crime in order to improve their uh, uh, unfortunate conditions. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next two minutes to, to hear whenever you're ready. Well, thank you, uh, Stephen, for that question. Now, uh, the question is, how can the police keep our community safe? And absolutely, the, the Calgary Police Service are um, one of the significant pillars of what uh, allows us to live, work, and play safely right here in Calgary, right here in Ward 5. But it's not just the police. It's also the community themselves. It's, uh, I grew up with something called the Block Watch Program. And that is something that has allowed uh, communities and neighbors to come together and be able to support one another, support one another's communities. We've lost that kind of sense of community within our various neighborhoods. 
So bringing back the block watch in a way that could be supported by te technology and enabled by technology, being able to see if we can work with the city of Calgary, the community associations, and of course the neighbors to be able to implement uh, a solution such that we can provide some of this uh, surveillance and be vigilant, excuse me, vigilant about our neighbors. Um, you may uh, also understand that the uh, Calgary Police Service has actually committed $8 million of their own budget that they brought to council uh, towards mental health supports. And that is also uh, an important key aspect to helping support those that are more, most vulnerable and disadvantaged in our communities to help get them back on track and reduce petty crime. Up here on the northern side of the ward, uh, we have a lot of petty crime related to thefts from garages, uh, from cars. Every single day, I've been, for example, in Skyview twice in the same doorknob. Did I have two people tell me that their cars were stolen in broad daylight right in front of their house? This is unacceptable, and there needs to be a support system not only with the Calgary Police Service, but also our neighborhoods as a whole. So I commit to be able to support that and bring some out-of-the-box thinking to be able to address uh, and build some solutions to some of these problems. Thank you very much. Thank you. Arian, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Can you please repeat the question, please? I certainly can. With the rise of petty crime in our ward, how will you ensure the police have the necessary resources to keep our community safe? Two minutes whenever you're ready. Well, I'll start with this, that to me, to my understanding, Crime. There shouldn't be a petty crime or a crime. The first thing that I'll be working is making sure that we work towards providing more resources to Calgary police so they can actually provide services and be more presence in the area. I would like more police patrolling in the area. And also at the same time, <clears throat> I do want to mention the fact that it is uh, very unfortunate that Calgary Ward 5 has been uh, the hood or all the crime base uh, for a lot of other communities that they refer their crimes or referring to Calgary Northeast as such. And as a matter of fact, from my door knocking, talking to the residents, one of the major concerns that we have is that everyone that comes to Northeast, it's lack of consequences. So we need to make sure that we have enforceability in terms of what we can, what we cannot do with, especially mental health. Uh, there is homeless issues as well here in Calgary Ward 5. It's uh, since past two years, it's almost double and whatever we can to provide them at the same time. Uh, I'm not in favor of providing them money so they can go to entertain their add addiction because they're putting not only themselves at risk, also the residents. I will be looking more into to provide uh, talk to the provincial government as well and also to see get proper funding so we can actually help them uh, providing jobs according to their skill sets and of course those who wants to get help there should be some sort of job because if uh, everyone should be on their feet and if we can help them in any way that's what my priority will be it's unfortunate that especially in Falcon Ridge, Castle Ridge, Martindale a lot of back alleys I mean a lot of uh, <laughs> breaking into are happening due to the fact that nighttime by these uh, homeless and uh, people who are addicts. So I want to make sure that we have more police presence patrolling and see what we can do to keep the area safe. Thank you. Stan, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. So 
So this is an important topic, and sometimes we need to go to the root problem of why these issues are propping up in our communities. And for me, you go back to 2014, our economy took a dip. The oil and gas sector uh, you know, took a hit. Uh, our economy went into a recession. Uh, there was a lot of people that lost jobs. Uh, we hit the mental health uh, issues, uh, addiction, uh, and there are so many other things that are, are correlated that have led to the uptick of uh, whether it's homelessness or encampments that we have now in our communities. And look, this isn't only a problem in Northeast uh, Calgary. I mean, this is happening uh, in different areas across the city. Uh, obviously, we were hit by a global pandemic that uh, made things much worse uh, last year. Uh, you know, Saudi Arabia and Russia went into a geopolitical uh, oil and gas uh, price war. We went, to, we went into negative oil territory. Um, and this has impacted everyone across the board. Uh, so for me, uh, this is really important. This is a passionate issue of mine. Uh, we need to focus on jobs. We need to make sure that people have opportunities. I know through the city of Calgary, uh, we have Calgary Economic Development, we have the OSIF Fund, which is the Opportunity Calgary Investment Fund, $100 million that went into um, helping corporations invest in Calgary, uh, Calgary companies and Calgary jobs. Um, I think we can be better uh, at uh, with this program uh, in incentivizing and diversifying our economy. But we also have to uh, help individuals uh, and, and help them with uh, housing. Uh, we have to help them with opportunities. Uh, and I'm also a very firm believer uh, in the city of Calgary, focusing on its core services and doing them very well. And some of our core services are Calgary Police, Calgary Fire, um, and, uh, and and again, getting out of the way of uh, other places. We have our hands all over the place. Um, and I think moving forward with uh, the post-pandemic recovery, we will be talking a lot about budgets and we need to make smart decisions. And that's why experience is necessary. And that's what I bring to the table. Thank you. Anand, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. For, for too many years now, um, Calgary has grown substantially, but uh, the uh, funding for the both the police and the fire department have not kept pace with the growth of the city, and that does need to be addressed. Um, as well, I don't really want to put my, um, point my finger at those that are homeless um, regarding crime. Some people are just in unfortunate circumstances and um, they're fighting, but they don't necessarily uh, resort to crime. What we do need to do, and I agree with the other candidates, is we do need to uh, have some affordable housing. But another way to address some of the crime is to work with residents on how they can better protect their premises and uh, do what they need to do to discourage potential theft. If they can make it uh, more difficult, then um, it's not as easy for the, uh, for the petty thieves out there to um, dash and grab or grab and dash so i think those are where the um the main focuses are if we want to deal with uh, with crime thank you thank you so much everyone for keeping to that two minute mark next we'll turn to topic two and this is about public transportation and we will be starting with tahir on this question this question is posed from debbie 
As someone who relies on public transportation, how will you ensure costs for public transportation are kept affordable for those like me on a fixed income? To hear two minutes whenever you're ready. Hi, Debbie. Uh, thanks uh, for your question. Um, so uh, transit is what connects our fabric of our communities. Uh, and obviously, as someone that uses it uh, frequently, it's important uh, that we have it, that it's accessible, not only accessible in terms of mobility, but accessible in terms of cost. And so currently, the city has kind of a three-tiered system when it comes to uh, fixed income. And that is something where it also, it almost makes it a little bit overcomplicated. And I come from an approach where let's try and keep solutions simple. So if we could have a single tier, one tier level uh, that would allow uh, folks on fixed incomes to know exactly how much it's going to cost them, that they don't have to worry about having the, the correct amount of change in their pocket every time and wondering which tier they fit into. If we can make it straight and direct, um, that may may help. Now, there's obviously a, uh, a, a cost benefit between uh, the amount of investment and new investment into uh, extending uh, transit and supporting it, but also investing in current um, current transit uh, supports. I've heard from many people at our doors that say, well, it's great that we have these wonderful new communities and even existing communities, but we don't have a reliable transit. For example, a bus that runs in one direction for three hours in the morning and three hours in the evening is not sufficient for people to get either their kids to school, their parents to their appointments, or what have you, even to get to your job. That is not acceptable in the city of Calgary anywhere. So we need to not only address the, the faults and the issues we're having when it comes to getting reliable transit and, and understanding how we can support folks like yourself to get use a functional, connected, robust transit system. And I've been fortunate to see a number of different ones over the years in different wonderful metropolises. And our rates, our fares are actually on par with Toronto, but Toronto's got a population of millions. We're at, you know, one, you know, 1.3, 1.4, and we have the same fares. Thank, Thank you very you much. So much. Arian, two minutes to yourself, whenever you're ready. Can you repeat the question, please? The question is, as someone who relies on public transportation, how will you ensure costs for public transportation are kept affordable for those like me who are on fixed income? Well, with respect to the before I answer that question, I think it's worth for us to look into what's happening, especially in Ward 5. So I'll be only making comment what's in the best interest of uh, Calgary Ward 5 residents. And one of my top priority will be, is, for example, a good example is the Blue Line. It was supposed to connect to Upper Northeast and also to the airport. So there's nowhere to be found and I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. So the solution for that will be, is do we wanna make sure it's proper accessibility and also in, for it's from uh, Falcon Ridge all the way down to Saddletown, we want to have we want to make sure we have uh, better planning and better transit planning, especially during winter time. I've seen and I've heard from the residents that they're having issue with respect to uh, buses being there on time. 
and also making sure that those who are upper Northeast, the blue line, what can we do for them to make sure that they actually get to job or get wherever they can. And one of my plan will be is something that's practical. We want to make sure we invest more on BRT services. But before we even come to the investment or even addressing her concern is we need to stop the wasteful spending. We need to make sure that we cut the unnecessary expenses and we need to work on the needs and necessity of the residents, such as her problem, uh, issues that she's facing right now is fixed income. Now, of course, I cannot comment on how much her fixed income and what she means by that fixed income. So it varies on that. And however, I'm of the view that if we have, uh, if we have uh, proper uh, planning and proper budget in terms of how to uh, save some money and have some surplus. So this way we can invest. And of course, one of my priority will be is to work on the PRT service so I can connect the upper Northeast to Saddletown. So they, it's more proper accessibility. And of course, to the uh, Saddle Ridge area as well, Saddle Ridge, Terrell and uh, Falk Ridge. Thank you. Stan, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. So look, Calgary Transit and Transit is one of the most important services that the city of Calgary delivers. I think it's such an important investment that we make in our communities to make sure that affordability is kept in line with uh, with other costs. Uh, and, I, and whether it's uh, the cost of transit or anything else from the city of Calgary, we need to be clear that the city's revenue sources are obviously fee for service, uh, the municipal taxes, and obviously investment returns. Uh, over the last several years, as I was talking about, in 2014, we, we took a hit in our economy. Uh, our downtown office towers hollowed out. Uh, they're 30% vacant right now. We're trying to keep our services and uh, amenities and programs at par, but we lost a lot of the revenue from the downtown uh, office towers losing their valuation. So I had a lot of creative ideas about uh, being proactive and not reactive in, in the way we do taxation. And unfortunately, through the Municipal Government Act, uh, cities are very limited in the way that they can uh, get creative with uh, with taxation powers. And, uh, and so what I will do on day one is advocate to the provincial government, the Minister of Municipal Affairs, to make sure that we are proactive and we have the right tools uh, to make the right decisions for all Calgarians, including those on fixed income. Look, like I said, I'm a proponent of, of Calgary Transit. I know the value it brings to our communities, the accessibility it gives to everyone from our seniors to our youth, to our students and everyone in between. I will fight for the Blue Line LRT extension. Right now, it ends at the Saddletown Station. From the city of Calgary's perspective, we have all the planning in place for the Savannah Station. We'll get the funding in place. We'll work really hard to advocate for that. We'll also push on the airport uh, connector. I always say uh, inter international cities, um, major cities have, uh, have have, uh, have have amenities that are world class, and so we need that airport connector as well. And I'll fight for the uh, the BRT connector as well. So LRT and, and BRT expansion is uh, is something I'll fight for. Thank you so much, uh, Anand. Two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you for um, as with, with uh, many other services, the money is spread too thin. There's uh, the budgets are tight. So how do we uh, rectify that? We have to look at what the city costs are. And while businesses have taken a huge hit, downtown has taken a huge hit. Our city expenses have not, um, 
the city's been very reluctant to cut expenses. Almost one third of city employees makes approximately 100,000 or more, and that's not including your um, pensions and your benefits. So if we want to afford to give lower income and people that are disabled, if we want to be able to service them better, we need to look at city expenditures and reduce those and be able to shift those monies into areas for people that really need it. Um, we've had many in the oil and gas industry suffer, but the city has refused to keep, uh, to cut accordingly to match the reduction in revenues. And I, I disagree with any new taxations. I disagree with um, the city going to the province begging for new tax powers. We, new taxes are not the answer. We, we are too highly taxed and uh, we need to reduce what we already uh, charge. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tudor. Whenever you're ready, two minutes to yourself. Uh, thank you so much uh, for the question, Debbie. And um, I'm happy to hear that some of the candidates that ran four years ago and some of the candidates I worked in the previous council's office are talking about the blue line. Four years ago, I was the only candidate in Ward 5 that brought the importance of the blue line and the importance to bring it forward and to get it built. Uh, but before I make that point further, I want to address Debbie's question. So in order for us to maintain uh, public transit affordable, yes, we have to maintain the low income passes. However, uh, as Mr. Sadat said, that depends on what your fixed income is. But more importantly, we, we have to offer our transit users more choice. Um, in other cities around the world, uh, they have choices such as a 24-hour ticket, a three-day ticket. They have one weekly passes, two weekly passes, one month passes. They have even weekend passes. They even have evening passes. Uh, I've written about this on my blog called Fair Choices, if anybody would like to read more on that. What's important about making transit affordable is that uh, we sometimes measure just how much money we get from the tickets, the people that use transit, but we often do not calculate the cost saving that we get from taking people from driving the car off the road. Uh, road maintenance, road infrastructure is the most expensive uh, a part of any city's budget, especially in a city like ours that has so many kilometers of road. So the more people we get on public transit, the better we have a chance of saving money overall in our budget. So that's how I would adjust that. Now, in regards to the blue line, I'm happy that Stan uh, was pushing for that, but it's important to ask him why in the last four years, there has not been any kind of community engagement on the plans of the blue line that were last updated in 2019. You can make an argument that we didn't have any money, but the simple fact that there's not even a community engagement about the project shows that uh, effort was not put to move the blue line forward and public transit in the new communities. Thank you so much for that. Um, I, I will say this, uh, all candidates agreed that we wouldn't be doing uh, rebuttals. So we will be moving on to the next comment. Uh, candidates, you can respond on your own social media pages after this. Topic three is COVID-19 and the mask mandate. This question is going to start off with Aryan. Ariane, this question is from Devinder. I hope I'm pronouncing that name correctly. I do apologize if I'm not. Um, 
The Northeast, and particularly Ward 5, has been accused of being a COVID-19 hotspot. What are your views on this? And what are your views on the mask mandate recently passed by council? Arian, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Well, there's two part questions to that. So I'm going to answer first. Uh, the second part, uh, the first one I'll be saying uh, with respect to the vaccine passport and mask, I believe the health guidelines should be left to the experts, including our public health officials and medical doctors. And once the cases of uh, COVID start declining, businesses should have the flexibility to decide whether or not they want to have the passport in place. And with respect to the comment of Calgary Northeast, it's unfortunate. It's not only about COVID, it's about everything, policing, uh, transit, anything you call, it comes in and they say that, well, it's about uh, uh, Northeast. Why can why is it just Northeast to blame for? I think we need a strong voice to make sure that we can go there and stand up for us and make sure fight for us, for our best interest and not for the builders or developers. So I will be a uh, assuring uh, the vendor, if I'm saying the name right, uh, that when elected, I'll make sure that such comments will be getting proper uh, response from the elected official and not just entertained only at my own personal uh, favor. So, and also with respect to COVID, uh, let me make one thing clear. Calgary Northeast got the most, uh, got hardworking people. Calgary Northeast got educated people and Calgary Northeast has worked through the uh, COVID. I know people that were working during COVID time and there were people that live in very posh area and other side of Calgary. I don't need to area that they're, they're actually uh, receiving uh, free money and we need to stop those freeloaders and actually I'm proud to be a Calgary North in Calgary Northeast and I'll make sure that I stand up for Calgary Northeast and I Thank do you, I, oh. do I have yeah, I have 15. I do want to say one thing that Calgary, uh, Calgary Ward 5 is diverse and we need to have a COVID instruction in different languages. And that's what I'll be working on as well to make sure that multi-language so we can convey our message. Thank you so much. Stan, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Look, Northeast Calgarians are frontline workers, some of the hardest workers uh, that we've seen uh, across the board. Uh, they've been making sure that our city uh, has been getting through this pandemic with all the necessities, the truck drivers, the taxi drivers, uh, the, the transit drivers, retail store uh, workers, um, you know, um, meat pack uh, workers, entrepreneurs, uh, you know, the doctors, the nurses. Um, and so I'm also passionate about Northeast Calgary. And look, I was offended that there were certain um, individuals and in different levels of government that took shots at Northeast Calgarians and uh, tried to accuse us of, uh, of uh, you know, certain things in terms of the uptick in numbers. And so there's, there's a lot of issues in terms of uh, how this pandemic has played out and, and finger pointing. But at the end of the day, we're all in this together and we need to work together. One thing I, I campaign on is uniting people. And I will make sure 
that the voices of Northeast Calgarians are heard at the table, uh, at the platform uh, that we have uh, at the civic uh, government. And uh, and one thing uh, that we did bring forward, one thing I, I was working on uh, over the last four years was, uh, you know, we brought a notice of motion called the multilingual engagement strategy. You know, two thirds of our ward uh, does not speak English as their mother tongue. Uh, many languages spoken up here are, uh, for example, there's many of them, but some of the top ones are Punjabi, Urdu, uh, Farsi, Hindi, Tagalog. Uh, and so that's really important that we have the right avenues for people to voice their platform. In terms of the mass mandate, look, uh, I feel like the government uh, with their open for summer plan, it was a, it was a failed plan. Um, I feel like we need to get government out of the way of government uh, and we need to listen to the healthcare experts uh, that make the right decisions. So uh, whatever we're advised by the experts, I'm willing to stand by and we'll move forward on that. Thank you so much. Next, Anand, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. As far as the uh, mask mandate COVID-19, um, Calgary City Council uh, this was another example of overreach. Calgary City Council is none of them are medical doctors, but they seem to want to overreach. The um, health is a provincial matter, and uh, they should not be dictating uh, to uh, Calgary in, in an area that they. Uh, they don't, they don't have jurisdiction in. Um, listen to the experts. Those are the ones that know what they're doing. And um, we were all very happy when all the restrictions were lifted. But let's face it, this is a very difficult issue. Nobody's gone through this before. So I'm not going to point any fingers. Um, everyone does the best that they can. Um, the Northeast, as mentioned before, a lot of people are in frontline workers. They're the hardest workers in the city. And um, we need to uh, figure out what works best for them. We don't point fingers. If um, there's too many people, so, sometimes the reality is maybe you do have 10, 12 people in a house. Well, they're doing that to survive. So whatever we can do to help them do better, to prosper, to um, be able to help their families out, let's do that. Let's not point fingers and let's not blame. Let's figure out what we can do to help uh, World 5 become more prosperous. Thank you. Thank you. Tudor, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you so much. Yes, um, in regards to the comments regarding to the Northeast being a, um, a region that had a lot of COVID uh, cases and the issues that came with that, um, you know, we've seen in the most recent data that the Northeast is actually one of the most highly vaccinated uh, areas of the city, especially, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, in the age category between uh, 50 plus and 50 and 75. And this shows that different areas of our city have different needs. Um, because as mentioned by the other candidates, we have frontline workers, we have multi-generational families, and these present different challenges and different um, 
uh, risks that come during a pandemic. So it's great to see that the rate of vaccination is so high in the Northeast, especially in the vulnerable groups, uh, uh, vulnerable demographics to this uh, pandemic. Um, in regards to the mask mandate and the uh, vaccine passports, of course, uh, nobody, uh, I don't think anybody really likes them, but the reality is under the current circumstances of our healthcare system, the way it's being stretched and the numbers that we have in the ICU, we don't have many other choices. We have to be mindful of that. Um, and in regards to doing that, whatever is going to help us, uh, you know, uh, reduce the increase of cases and reduce the numbers of ICU uh, cases, uh, it is necessary. And unfortunately, until those ICU numbers decrease, uh, we have to apply these uh, mass magnets and uh, uh, vaccine passports in order to ensure that our healthcare system can address the issues and the maladies uh, of those impacted both by the pandemic, but also to those who might have very serious illnesses that do not have to do with COVID-19. Thank you. Thank you. To hear two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Yep. Uh, thank you for the question, Devinder. Uh, I absolutely support uh, the public health measures that uh, have been uh, passed by council. And that's in the interest of ensuring that we keep not only ourselves safe, but our families, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers those that we choose to uh, spend time with and to ensure that we are all keeping each other safe. Uh, to that end, um, you know, it, uh, you know, personal health is a personal choice and everyone has a choice with regards to other types of uh, requirements, uh, whether it's driven by employers or not. Uh, but what I've heard at, at our doors are that people are comfortable with the choice. Businesses want to be able to stay open. They want to be able to be, uh, have their clientele come on in and they are comfortable with supporting certain mandates to allow their businesses to thrive. I'll go back to the, uh, uh, the, the point of choice there. They have, you know, their clientele have the choice if they want to visit the establishment or not, that is their choice. So whether, you know, some, some people are for and against an issue at the end of the day, it's about being safe and making decisions based on the best advice of the experts and professionals available of the day. Now, I will uh, be very critical of the political maneuvering by the provincial government when it came to uh, a wide swath of covering the entire Dorton East to say that uh, lay blame or what have you. This is not what we should expect from our partners in provincial politics, and we should be able to work together collaboratively to find some of the solutions to these issues. Now, as someone who lives in Ward 5, and those that, that do live here would have seen that at Prairie Winds Park, there are a number of different languages that are provided regarding the public health awareness and emergency that is out there. And in fact, when the pandemic first came out, they had a switch. They went from English to six different languages overnight there was folks that understood the capability. Thank you very much. I'm going to interrupt this debate for one quick second. I am I'm monitoring YouTube right now just to make sure that these uh, our recording is getting out there. To those who are watching and those who are commenting, I, I do appreciate that people are passionate about certain candidates, but if you can stop the name calling, that'd be greatly appreciated. Let's be adults in the room and let's have an adult conversation because at the end of the day, that's what we're doing as adults. 
Topic four is property taxes, and we will be starting with Stan on this question. Stan, this question is from Mandy. My husband and I just bought our first home in Ward 5 in the summer of 2020. My husband, though, has recently lost his job to the fourth wave of the pandemic. What are your views on regarding property taxes and what will you do to keep our property taxes low during these hard times? Two minutes to yourself, Stan, whenever you're ready. Mandy, that's a great question. So I want to go a little bit into my private sector experience. As a pricing actuary, I worked in detailed, sophisticated pricing models, and that's what I bring to the table. Uh, when I was discussing a review of the MGA, I wasn't talking about additional revenues for the city. I was talking about getting creative so that when times get tough, we don't have to come to the residents or the industrial or retail or, or small businesses to ask for a little bit of money. So I think we need to take bold action on these issues. Calgary has been a boom and bust economy for many years. We need to be proactive rather than reactive. Uh, look, one thing I want to be clear about from your municipal tax bill, 35 to 40 percent is the education tax that gets passed on to the province. So I want to be clear about that as well. Uh, in other things, I mean, I, I say a lot at the doors, we need to focus on our core services. As we get into this post-pandemic recovery, we will be talking a lot about budgets and deficits. And, uh, and if we start focusing on our core services uh, and doing them very well, I think we can find cost savings. Um, and the other thing is uh, a, a reduction of, of some of our waste, uh, wasteful spending that we do have at the city of Calgary. So I, I, I will uh, be an advocate for that and I'll make sure uh, working with people in the community, uh, doing community advocacy, everyone will have a seat at the table. Look, we have a big budget coming up in November, weeks after this municipal election. It's so many critical decisions will be made. Uh, city administration will will make. Uh, you know, we have a four billion dollar operating budget, a two billion dollar capital budget, and and this is why I say the experience I bring to the table, not only from the private sector, but from my four years uh, at City Hall doing these budgets, understanding the ins and outs, the processes, and the politics. We have so many important decisions to make, and I will promise I will I will try my best to keep your taxes uh, at an affordable level moving forward. Thank you. Anand, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Sorry, could you repeat the question again? Certainly. This question is from Mandy. My husband and I just bought our first home in Ward 5 in the summer of 2020. My husband, though, has recently lost his job due to the fourth wave of the pandemic. What are your views regarding property taxes and what will you do to keep our property taxes low during these hard times? Whenever you're ready, two minutes. Thank you. As I said um, before, the city does need to reduce the expenditures. The city has not done enough to cut their budgets when times were tough. The other thing too is there were a lot of businesses that were hurt or businesses, the people that were put out of business because their property taxes or business taxes were excessive and where they'd um, in over a period of one, two, three, four years had gone up astronomically. We can't do that. We need to work with businesses to make sure the businesses can thrive 
And if we can make sure the businesses thrive, then people will keep their jobs. It's as simple as that. It's not, it's not rocket science. Um, once again, the city needs to look at um, and help people prosper. Because when people prosper, when businesses prosper, the money will be there in taxes for the city. Thank you. Thank you. Next is Tudor, whenever you're ready, two minutes to yourself. Thank you, Chris. Uh, in regards to the question regards to property taxes, now we can keep them low. Unfortunately, this is another topic that I talked about four years ago. We've seen very little change into how to address this issue. Back in 2017, when I ran for city councilor in Ward 5, I was the only candidate that said, if I were to be elected, I would not vote for any new communities. Unfortunately, in 2019, we had seen uh, the city council approve 14 new communities, all new suburbs. And in doing this, what we are doing, we're increasing our footprint of our city. And we are stretching our current tax base in order to provide those services in the farthest edges of the city. As a result of this, the city and the city is not building necessarily higher density neighborhoods. So what happens is they have to increase your property taxes in order to make up for your services. This is not sustainable. We've been very fortunate from the early 1990s until about 2015 to have economic booms and where the developers have come and they uh, brought the money. However, if we keep experiencing economic stagnation as we have thus far, we are not going to have enough revenue to provide the, uh, the services at an acceptable level all over the city. This means that your property taxes will continue to increase. There is no real short-term solution. But what we can do is some first steps. Some of these first steps include, we have to draw a line on how much we sprawl our city. We have to stop doing that. And we have to look at how we can increase our density within our existing borders. We have plenty of space around transit hubs like C-train stations and uh, transit loops where we can build higher density um, communities. This will increase our taxpayer base within our current footprint. In doing so, that means that we have more people contributing, which means that we don't have to put as much of a burden on individual property owners. So that would be one of the solutions. But by far, the reason why your property taxes have been going up is because of our urban sprawl policies of the past 20 years. This has to change. Thank you. Thank you. Tahir, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Uh, thank you, Mandy, for uh, for that question. And uh, any job loss is is hard to go through. So um, I hope that you have the necessary support to the people around you to, uh, to help get you through the next phase uh, of uh, getting back on track and being part of the new energy that this Calgary is going to bring once we're on the other side of this pandemic. Uh, when it comes to to property taxes and keeping them low, uh, you know there was at the the, the most recent budget that was uh, uh, evaluated here with the city had a bit of a surplus, and that surplus was was due to uh, certain things. But if you have a look at it, um, you know it's reasonable financial order. Uh, what does that allow us to? What does that mean? Well, that means we're doing okay with balancing what's coming in and what we're spending on, but. There are many areas for improvements and efficiencies to be able to make it more cost effective for certain services or uh, for uh, for certain city services and being able to deliver uh, accessibility to you, the citizen. Uh, no one wants to increase their taxes. I am uh, against increasing uh, taxes and shifting the burden onto residents, um, both property wise and uh, and otherwise. 
Um, we also have to recognize, as was pointed out by the other candidate, that a number of a large portion of that tax is the past basically flown through from the province. And so we have to have uh, really tough conversations, uh, not only about the Miscellaneous Act and what taxation powers our city does have, but also help get a you know, bit of a fair share from the province for our city to allow us to do the things that we need to do. Um, also, uh, there are you know, times when people are living in condominiums have faced uh, provincially, uh, you know, face high condo fees and the province mandates uh, certain caps to those. And I would work with the province to ensure that property management companies are held accountable to ensure that our residents in Ward 5 that are paying condo fees in those complexes um, are you know, in places that they Thank can live. Thank you before. to hear. Arian, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Arian, two minutes to yourself. Can you repeat the question? Sorry, I was on mute. I was talking to no myself. Worry. This question is from Mandy. My husband and I just bought our first home in Ward 5 in the summer of 2020. My husband, though, has recently lost his job due to the fourth wave of the pandemic. What are your views regarding property taxes? And what will you do to keep our property taxes low during these hard times? Two minutes to yourself, Arian, whenever you're ready. Mandy, uh, congratulations on your purchase of your first home, first of all. And it is unfortunate that uh, there are a lot of people like yourself in Calgary Ward 5, especially facing the same difficulty. As a matter of fact, with respect to property taxes, uh, I do want to mention that there have been, they have been on the rise, even uh, during the pandemic. And I believe the city had a surplus of $98 million, while Calgarians were struggling to pay taxes and bills. However, uh, it's also worth mentioning that the city started to tax reform initiative, but they did not complete it. We need predictable taxes and fiscal responsibility to ensure Calgary rem remains an affordable city. But having said that, since I have extra time, I do want to mention it is unfortunate that in the past decade, the property taxes are almost double, but the services that we are receiving is not double. And I'm of the view that if the property taxes are going up and at the same time the services need to be going up as well it's unfortunate that especially calgary ward 5 we're having issues we're paying property taxes but we're not getting the services we deserve uh, snow plowing southwest southeast northwest gets their share we're not getting our share done so i understand that it's not related to her question but at the same time it is related to property taxes because if you're paying property taxes we need to make sure that uh, we get we receive the services and as I said earlier, I want to make sure that we are fiscally responsible and we cut the wasteful spending so we can make sure that we work on the needs and necessity of the residents. And I'll assure you, when I get elected, I'll be looking into all those accounts and see what we can do, especially also with the NMAX utility bills as well, that a lot of residents are complaining. Maybe there are unnecessary charges that we're going to be looking into. So I'll be making sure that I will be your voice on council and not the council voice on you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for trying to stick to that two-minute mark. This is topic number five, and we're going to be starting with Anand on this question. This question is from Carlos. I have recently thought about starting my own business. I have the I found the process dealing with City Hall, though, overwhelming. How will you, as my next city councillor, navigate the process in City Hall 
after help me navigate, sorry, help me navigate the process at City Hall after you get elected on October 18th. On in two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. Um, I, as a businessman, uh, am very, um, very keen on helping others start their own businesses. So my office is going to be open and I will have one of my staff dedicated to helping people start their businesses and guide them along, start the pro help them through the processes. So anyone in Ward 5, if they're in business or not, can come to me or come to my office and we will help you. We will help guide you. We will give you some advice. As a businessman, I've made many, uh, my network is fairly large. So we can always help. We can give you advice and we can point you to somebody else in my network that can possibly come alongside you and help you through the process and help you build your business. It's not just, it's not just getting through the process, but it's also helping you build your business once you're through the process, because we want to see you successful and thriving. Thank you. Thank you. Tudor, whenever you're ready, two minutes to yourself on this question. Thank you for the question, Carlos. And again, uh, good luck. Uh, it's great that you're taking the initiative to become an entrepreneur. It's really what our city needs. We need more people like Carlos to take the step, to take the leap, into uh, business ventures in order to help us diversify our local economy. If we do not incentivize people to do so, we are not able to reduce our local unemployment, which will have a domino effect in the conditions of our city and how attractive our city will become. Um, how would I be doing this? Well, we have to provide incentives. Uh, we have to provide for small and medium-sized companies incentives, be it tax breaks, uh, be it other type of uh, policy instruments that would encourage them to jump in, to dive in and invest in our areas. Uh, if they provide certain services that we are lacking in certain areas, they should be extra incentives there as well. Basically, I have close relationships with business owners, and it's remarkable the amount of work that they put forward. They work not just in a hour shift. They work 12, 14, sometimes 16 hours a day. And the last thing that they need is the city uh, putting more roadblocks in their way, making things more challenging. So we have to look at what are the biggest obstacles. We have to have a broad dialogue with our business owners in Ward 5, see what the biggest obstacles are. And based on that, we have to make a list of the main things that are the most common challenges to all these businesses. Because whatever is that challenge to these local business owners that currently have those businesses will more than likely be an obstacle for future entrepreneurs in the area. So that would be kind of the approach that I would bring to the table, dialogue and a proactive uh, solution seeking attitude so that we can encourage more and more Calgarians, especially those uh, living in Ward 5 to pursue their uh, entrepreneurial ambitions. Thank you. everyone uh we are we are back uh i will say this i do apologize for that quick interruption uh we had a power failure here at in our house so uh, i don't know what just happened but we do have all the candidates back with us so i'm going to bring them back on once again i do apologize for that 
Um, and we will continue on with topic number five, which is businesses and uh, with Tahir. Uh, again, I do apologize for that, candidates. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. I just want to make sure everyone can hear you. Can someone just say something quickly? Welcome back. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to repeat topic number six here once again, and then we will continue on from there. Um, this is about businesses and we were at to here because I think I was just throwing it to him and then it did cut out. So to here, I guess I should start my camera so that way you can see me. Uh, Chris, I'm assuming that's topic five. Yes. Topic five. Sorry. Yes. Topic five. And this is about businesses. I do apologize once again. Um, this question is from Carlos. I have recently thought about starting my own business. I have found the process dealing with city hall overwhelming. How will you as my next city councilor navigate the process in city hall after you get elected on October 18th to help me two minutes to yourself to hear again. I apologize. I'm going to say that a lot as Canadians, you will be used to it probably, but two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. All right. Uh, thank you for that. And, and perhaps I'll throw in maybe some funding for new internet or something. <laughs> the likes. <laughs> Don't worry about it, Chris. It happens. It's the, it's the environment we're in. Um, so, Carlos, thank you for that, uh, that question. And congratulations. Congratulations on being able to start a business. It's a huge challenge uh, that takes a lot of guts, but also it's an immense opportunity. So congratulations on taking that step. Um, and there's two, two large challenges when it comes to starting a new business. It's financing and it's uh, permitting and licensing and getting the, through that system to be able to do what you need to do, whether it's selling a product or service or getting authorized to build. So those are services that the city is responsible for providing. Now, I work in the public sector. I understand public procurement. I understand public administration. I understand that there are ways that we can make things more efficient to get from a department out to the end user. So thank you. You know, it's, it's great that you are bringing up these up because you are not alone as a small business owner myself. I face the same challenges as you. Um, when it comes to those out there that are considering starting their own business, there are supports the city does provide. Uh, the Opportunity Investment Fund was one of them. Uh, another one is Platform Calgary. That is an organization that is supported by the city of Calgary to help entrepreneurs patch into an ecosystem that is thriving here in Calgary, that is bringing a lot of talent from not only all parts of our city, especially in Ward 5, but also all over the world to build some great businesses and make them successful. The city provides resources in certain ways, and I, uh, I encourage you to explore those opportunities uh, as you can to be able to build a successful business because a successful uh, set of small and medium enterprises re relates to essentially essential, uh, a strong uh, Ward 5 and thriving community here in Northeast Calgary. So thank you for your time and we're back on schedule. Thank you for that. Arian, two minutes to yourself. And again, I apologize for that interruption whenever you're ready. Hey, no worries. Can you repeat the question one more time, please? Certainly. This question is from Carlos. Carlos asks, I have recently thought about starting my own business, but I've found the process dealing with City Hall overwhelming. 
How will you, as my next city councilor, help navigate the process at City Hall after you get elected on October 18th? Two minutes whenever you're ready. Thank you, Carlos, for your questions. Uh, with respect to small businesses, as a matter of fact, uh, I do have this as one of my platform as well to help small businesses, home-based businesses and small businesses. I think one of the issues I do want to mention before going straight to answering the question of uh, Carlos is that we're still within the COVID era. It's still unfortunate that a lot of businesses lost uh, their businesses and a lot of people wants to do something from home or wants to do something smaller where there's a lot of uh, red tapes. So one of my top priority when elected will be is to make sure I cut the red tapes and make sure that uh, come up with a outline for small businesses so that call line will be for small business owners to call directly and have access to various resources in multiple languages. So that's not only going to help them, and uh, it's, it's also going to be straight and more efficient and not time consuming. Because a lot of people who wants to do business, they as uh, Carlos mentioned, they want to get on their feet and they want to feed themselves. They have mortgages to pay, they have uh, uh, bills to pay. So at the same time, uh, we need to make life easy for our residents, especially, let's be clear, we're still within the COVID era and this is going to still continue for a little while. And if I sit here and say that, yes, we're just going to go and then make everything possible, uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But realistically, we need to be pragmatic and make sure, see what's reasonable, what we can achieve. And again, this will help us in terms of uh, any support or services, cut the rate red tapes, anything that we can do to small businesses, I'll be making sure I, I will have town hall meetings as well, especially with my residents' uh, uh, businesses. So this way I can deal with the issues. And if there is, the, if the outline is not working, then that's when I get involved and I'll make sure that I get the job done. I'm done. Thank you. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Stan, I apologize for the interruption. Two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. No worries, and Carlos, congratulations on uh, starting a new business. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, sm small business owners are the, the heart of our economy. You're the lifeline of everything that we do. And uh, I always say to people, look, we're, uh, uh, we're a young city, uh, we're a smart city, we're an energetic city, we're an entrepreneurial city, uh, and we have all the uh, makings for a, for a post-pandemic recovery where we come roaring back. Uh, and a big focus of mine is on, uh, you know, diversification, jobs, the economy, and uh, obviously small business owners. And what I've found in recent years is government, what, whether from other orders of government or at the civic level, uh, getting in the way of, uh, of, of unleashing this potential that we have in this, in this city. Uh, and I'll make sure that uh, whether it's the, the business licensing process or anything else you're having issues with, uh, we can streamline some of these processes by working with folks like yourself. One of the first things I'll do and, and one of the big things that I advocate for is, uh, is collaboration and civic engagement. I'll make sure, Carlos, that you have a seat at the table uh, when we do have some of these rounds roundtable conversations with small business owners or other entrepreneurs like yourself to discuss some of the challenges that you're facing and see how we can overcome them. And, and we have to make sure uh, that we do work with other orders of government from the federal, provincial and local level, but also in the nonprofit and in the, in the private side of things as well, uh, because there's a lot of different things that impact businesses, not only the business licensing aspect. So I'll make sure that you have all the right tools in, at your disposal so that your business 
can thrive and that you can put food on the table and, and not have issues with uh, government getting in the way. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for those uh, answers. We will be turning to topic number six now, and this we will be starting with Tudor on. And this, as you can imagine, is probably one of the biggest questions that we got. This question is about your top priority. So this question is from Jasmine. Uh, Jas Jasmine, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. I apologize if I'm not. But Jasmine, your question to the candidates and Tudor, you're starting off. What is your top priority if elected on October 18th? Plain and simple. Two minutes to yourself whenever you are ready. Hi, uh, thank you so much, Jasmine. And absolutely, um, as I did four years ago, again, as the only candidate that talked about the blue line, and I believe the uh, candidate that is most educated on the topic, I think uh, my top priority is that I will be pushing to get the blue line built. Unfortunately, for those who might not be up to date with the information, um, the blue line, when Settletown Station was completed in 2012, the city had estimated that for 7.5 kilometers of track all the way to 128, the cost of the blue line would be around $355 million for 7.5 kilometers of track. The most recent update from the city in November 2020 had the, uh, the building cost estimated at $723 million it had already uh, doubled in uh, expense. Now, what's bizarre about this is that four years ago, even during the last municipal election, nobody in the media, none of the mayoral candidates, and even very few, as in one candidate in our own word, talked about this project. And we have no problem discussing about projects of the size of the Green Line that are now 5.5 billion with a B from a train that's gonna be from Shepherd to Eau Claire, but we have no conversation from the city. We have literally zero dollars put towards this project in a part of the city that we have the largest immigrant community, that we have people that cannot afford a second car, that we talked in the last year or two about diversity and equal opportunities for immigrants. But yet we are not providing the one of the most essential services to these communities, which is sustainable public transportation. Without the blue line, the Northeast does not have a backbone. We need this project. And as a result, it's gonna be a top priority. And if you go to my website at tutorforward5.ca and you look under my blog, read the blog, where is the blue line? I have all the information there with all the numbers and all my sources. Thank you so, uh, so much and hope to have your vote on October 18th. Thank you. To hear two minutes on uh, Jasmine's question whenever you're ready. So my priority is to focus on connected communities. And that means ensuring that we can work, live and play right where we are in our homes. That includes reliable transit. That includes uh, access to green spaces and playgrounds and ensuring that those are walking distance. Uh, being able to ensure that we have uh, the quality infrastructure, not just infrastructure. I mean, the Northeast has been chronically underserved by infrastructure for decades. It's not about getting infrastructure, it's about getting quality infrastructure so that you know our folks here that choose to raise their families right here in Ward 5 get great services and great amenities. But it's also recreational activities. 
And so you may have heard that just before, uh, you know, uh, council wrapped up for the year, they provided and allocated a budget for a Northeast field house uh, to be built here, uh, just straddling country, uh, country Hills Boulevard. That's awesome. That would be wonderful to have. And I'm, I'm glad the city decided to put some money towards. However, it's one thing to allocate budget. It's another thing to get it done. And so we need to focus on getting that Northeast field house built, not letting it sit on a list with six other projects for another seven years. There are new communities out here that have been built for 10 years and are not going to wait another seven years to get the type of access to recreational infrastructure that they need. So let's start focusing on being served fairly. Let's start focusing on getting built those commitments that we have allocated funding for and tying that all together, bringing communities back together so we can launch all our needs forward. This is important. And that will be my number one priority on October 19th after I'm elected to start working hard to get that Northeast field house built. Thank you. Thank you. Arian, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. Can you repeat the question, please? The question is from Jasmine, and the question is, what is your top priority if elected on October 18th? Jasmine, as I mentioned earlier, I'm running my campaign based on 85% of my platform from 2017. So I'm running my campaign. My priority will be safer communities, accountability, accessibility. Speaking of safer community, within 60 days, I'll be doing a traffic studies to see what we can do to tackle down the issue with respect to traffic, speeding, reckless driving. And within that 60 days, we, what we can do is we want to make sure that whatever the outcome comes to make sure we keep our community safe. Another concern with respect to safer community is uh, crime. Crime is on the rise in Ward 5. We need to make sure we tackle on these issues. We need to provide police proper, more resources to have more police presence in the area. So this way we are safe and sound. And with respect to accountability, one of my priority will be is to make sure that I'm accountable and make sure that any decision I make, it is within uh, with consultation of Ward 5 residents. A good example of Terradil uh, Bridge. That was done with a proper consultation. And I'll assure the territory residents that that's not going to be repeated. And with respect to accessibility, I want to make sure I'm accessible. I want to make sure that when it's my turn and when a resident needs my attention, I don't send my assistant and not to get, to get the job done. And with respect to snowplow accountability, I want to also, we've been paying property taxes, but we're not getting the services. I want to make sure that we get the share for the snowplowing. I understand that there was a three or four times budget done with respect to our allocation of funding for snowplowing. I'll assure you that I'll make sure that we make it for a fifth or a fourth or fifth time to make sure that we have timely snow removal and keep community safe and sound and do whatever we can to keep Calgary Ward 5 and work towards beautification of Calgary Ward 5. On October 18, make an informed decision and vote for Aryan Sadat. I feel like you guys are doing the wrap-ups now, but we still have another question after this. If you guys are willing to go to a round robin, Stan, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Look, this is a great, great question. I mean, Calgary, this is a generational moment. Uh, the city of Calgary is at a crossroads uh, and we need to make some tough decisions. This new council will, will be making many of those decisions, but I think top of mind for everyone uh, right now, I mean, we're still in this 
global pandemic. Uh, we all want to get through this collectively, uh, safely, and and we need to make sure that uh, uh, you know we're taking the advice of uh, the experts uh, and not government officials. Obviously, we got to listen to the government mandates, uh, but the experts. What are the doctors saying, and what are they advising us to do? So so that's important. But right after that, I, I talk a lot about the post-pandemic recovery. Look, this is important not only for Northeast Calgarians but for Calgary as a whole. Like I said many times during this uh, conversation, our downtown office towers have hollowed up 30% vacant. We need to focus on filling up those downtown office towers. That will address a lot of the issues we're facing in our taxation uh, with the taxation um, issues that we're facing that have gone from uh, non-res uh, towards the res side. Um, and, uh, and you know, so again, with diversification, we need to focus on technology, clean energy, agribusiness, and so much more. Uh, jobs. Uh, this is a, this is a passion of mine. Uh, I will work with uh, all of our frontline workers, the taxi drivers, the bus drivers, uh, you know, and everyone else, the retail clerks, meat and meat packing uh, plant workers, uh, and and uh, make sure that as we come out of this uh, post pandemic, uh, as we come out of this pandemic, I should say that nobody in Northeast Calgary is left behind. And that's a passion of mine. And I'll be your voice at City Hall to ensure that I'll make sure that we invest in new jobs, we'll focus on expanding our transit, growing our recreational facilities, and make sure that we focus on inclusion. We have so many newcomers, and we need to make sure that everybody has a voice at the table. And I will ensure that for every important decision, you will all be included. And will make the right decisions to keep moving Calgary forward. Thank you. And the last on this topic is Anand. Anand, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. As I've mentioned many times, taxes are going to be um, the first, one of the main priorities to look and to see how we're going to reduce city uh, city budget because we need money to put into infrastructure. Infrastructure in the Northeast has been lacking. And something as basic as roads, the one thing that's irked me for many, many years is Country Hills Boulevard has been under construction for I don't know how long, at least a dozen years. In the meantime, the city has built a ring road around the city, but a, a, a short road into the Northeast communities has been neglected and left as a low priority for too many years. That's a, that, that's just, an, that's just a, a symptom or a sign of the city's attitude towards the Northeast and that's gotta change. We, um, we need more community infrastructure in the Northeast. We need community centers. So we can foster community. We have a, a diverse cultural community. And if we can bring people together, community and prosperity are the, my main um, focuses on my platform. Thank you. Thank you. Um, due to that 10 minute break due to my internet crapping out and my electricity crapping out, and Max, um, I, I'm going to ask all candidates if they're okay with this uh, rapid fire question. I'll give everyone two minutes. Uh, as the next city councilor for Ward 5, you will have to think on your feet. So sometimes you will get posed a question you might not know what the topic is all about. So if you do not mind, I'd like to ask one more question 
that you guys might not have been prepared for. Is that okay? I just want to shake of the head. Yes, no. Is that okay? And then we'll move into closing sure. statements. Awesome. So we will start with Tahir on this one. Tahir, this is the rapid fire question. And it is, what will you do to stay connected with residents so we don't only see you during elections? Two minutes whenever you're ready. So the role of a counselor is to listen. We are accountable to our citizens. We are accountable to our residents, for the people that live in our ward. So the whole point of being a public servant and serving the people is to listen and to be approachable, to be accessible, to be out there in the communities, not only connecting with the community associations, but having town halls with residents. And so part of what I would like to do is kind of three different things. The first one would be to at least have a town hall with each community. Right. We've got uh, we've got 11 different communities here in, in Ward 5. Let's bring them together and chat. Of course, in the current pandemic era, we can do that virtually. But it, it's really important to be an accessible leader when it comes to being able to bring communities together. Uh, the second point would be being accessible on social media. So there's a number of demographics, a number of ways people connect these days, right? We connect with celebrities, we connect with government officials, we connect with our families. Uh, that's another um, uh, key, a very simple uh, solution, but a key way to be able to reach another a demographic of our war would be uh, through social media and various platforms and being engaged in some of these community groups that are on platforms like Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram and all the other social media um, wonders that we have. The third thing, is uh, using uh, 311 more. So 311 is a great service, but it's actually undersubscribed most in Ward 5. So part of what I would like to do is bring the people to government and help them understand some of the services that are available. So let's try and connect through some of the services that do exist that the city already offers that do great things for us, but let's use that platform as a way to interact more directly with our council. Um, and that would be a way to, whether it's email or through mobile platform or app, which is what, what the through one is. So those are kind of three approaches I would take to being able to be reachable, approachable to my constituents. Thank you. Thank you. Arin, two minutes to yourself on staying connected with residents during an, uh, so they don't see it during an election. Well, I will start off with this, that when my clients come to my law firm, I call them the bosses. And when I go to the doorstep at my constituents, I call them the bosses because they're the one I have to be accountable. Of course, I'll be looking into town hall meetings, virtual meeting, and also uh, with respect to making sure that I'm accessible. As a matter of fact, on my uh, pamphlets, I have my personal cell phone on it. So anyone who's calling me, my, I do apologize. And uh, I will assure you that I'm not going to repeat what the previous counselor done in terms of accessibility as I'm hearing at the doors. And I'm glad that uh, the candidate, Mr. Sandu, is not going to, is, is, well, at least he's saying that he's not going to follow his former, former boss, Mr. Chahal's footstep, that uh, a lot of people are actually uh, complaining of accessibility. So I'll make sure I'm accountable. I'll make sure that I'll be the voice on council and making sure that not only I have a two-tier system of uh, complaint mind for the uh, residents, one for emergency services and one for general. 
Because as a matter of fact, you know, we have almost 85 to 90,000 residents. And if I sit there and they say that I'm going to be doing town hall meetings, and as Mr. Sandu said, that he's going to uh, entertain the, the Mr. Carlos on that table, we have over a thousand of people same level so of course we need to be practical and anything we want to say we want to make sure it's actually we can get it done not just making uh, uh, fake promises so with respect to accessibility i will be accessible i'll make sure that not only my email but my personal email and my personal phone call and as i said uh, the reason I came for this is I want to make sure to be the voice of Ward 5. And this is not something I'm saying now. It's something I'm, I've said it in 2017. And I'll make sure I get it done this time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stan, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. So this is such a important topic and i'm so passionate about this look sometimes people get elected to different uh levels of government and uh, uh they don't pay attention to the community at large uh one thing i've noticed at city hall over the last few years uh you know there are certain councillors that didn't uh, uh they got they got kind of sucked into the city hall um vibe and, and whether it was the committee meetings or the council meetings uh, obviously you have to attend those meetings but one thing i will do is i'll be in the community um every week and and i'll be doing town halls and whether it's at the Falcon Ridge Community Center, at the Genesis Center, up in Skyview Ranch, round tables. Uh, and I've done a lot of these community engagements with uh, many of you that are listening right now uh, over the past four years. And I've connected with a lot of you. I've heard a lot of your issues. Uh, and I know how we can work together and, and make things better. One of the things I'm focusing on is being positive and uniting the community. And that's something I'm passionate about. I think we need to, uh, we need to focus on how we bring people together, how we build bridges, uh, and again, I'll, I'll talk about the notice of motion that I, I worked on that we drafted up, the multilingual engagement uh, strategy. Uh, this was important because two-thirds of the ward, uh, like I said, English is not their first language. Uh, many languages spoken, uh, you know, Punjabi, Urdu, um, you know, Farsi, Hindi, Tagalog. Um, so we need to make sure that we have the right platforms in place for our community to be active and engaged. And we need to be proactive. We need to make sure that when important capital and uh, local decisions are, are, are upcoming, uh, that the community is involved and activated in some of this decision making. And I'll promise you, I'll be there at the table with you. Look, like I said, we have an important budget coming up just weeks after this municipal election. And one thing I've been doing with a lot of people at the doors is asking their concerns about this budget. So right after the election, we will set up a town hall or, or a, a round tables to make sure the, the voices of Ward 5 are heard at these budget deliberations. Thank you. Anand, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. One important commitment that I've, uh, I've made is that um, during the week, we're, I'm, my office is going to set time aside to be out in the community door knocking uh, on every week. So we're going to speak to the residents directly. We're going to set some time up, as I said, every week to be out in the community. I love talking to um, our residents. It's, uh, and I love hearing what their concerns are. And it gives me pleasure to be able to help them and address whatever needs that they have. And uh, so that's my uh, main commitment to uh, 
to our residents is to be out there and uh, very accessible. And uh, once and they will have a direct line to me if that's what they want. Thank you. Thank you. Two minutes yourself, Tudor, whenever you're ready. Great. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, absolutely, community engagement is essential in order for uh, the communities within Ward 5 to be able to have the proper services and infrastructure that it needs. So how would I would do this? Well, there's a number of ways. In the new communities, we have to establish community associations. We still have certain uh, neighborhoods that do not have a community, associate, uh, community associations yet. And in the bylaws, the community associations are the number one instrument by which uh, the residents of that area can reach out to the city in order to impact uh, policy and projects. Next, we have to uh, continue, even as elected councils, we have to continue to come to these community associations events, to the community cleanup and to other events. You have to be present. You have to engage with people where they are. Once per week uh, is not bad, but it can be much better. So we have to do much better in that sense. Um, in regards to digital media, the previous councillor was very good at announcing when a project was approved, but he was very poor at announcing when a project is in debate or in deliberation. That is the moment that we have to reach out to the community and ask them, hey, what's good about this project? What's bad? What do we have to update? What do we have to take out? That has to change. Uh, social media is exceptionally useful, but it has to be proactive. Right. And if we do not do this, we are going to have a less engaged community. The reality is, in my opinion, the reason the Northeast does not get as much attention is because we are not as participatory in the process. And a big part of that is because of our representation does not involve our citizens more. In other parts of the city, the citizens know how to reach to the cities and the other levels of government in order to get what they need. We have to do this. And I, as a city councilor, will provide these opportunities. I will bring policy solutions, not just selfies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. We are now going to turn to closing statements. This will be in reverse alphabetical order from the opening statements. They will be two minutes in length, and we will be starting with Stan. Stan, two minutes for closing statements. And before you start, I will ask all candidates, because I seem to get a lot of, inf a lot of feedback right afterwards, please tell the people how they can contact you. I field a lot of questions from residents who want to know how they can contact uh, candidates. So please tell people how they can contact you. So Stan, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. Look, like I said, this is a gener generational moment for the city of Calgary. For every Calgarian that's listening, we need to make sure we elect the right candidates to move our communities forward. I bring experience. I spent four years uh, working hard behind the scenes as a chief of staff. I developed relationships with different councillors' offices, all of the councillors, the mayor's office, city administration, from city manager David Duckworth to all the general managers and directors. I have community connections connections with the community association, vice presidents and presidents, residents at large. I worked really hard to deliver impactful projects to Northeast Calgary, the Genesis Center artificial turf field, $6 million investment, the, the, the cornerstone field house, the funding that we got, the high school site that we pushed really hard for, Satteridge Industrial, we have an athletic park coming online, four big FIFA-sized soccer fields, tournament quality, it'll drive provincial and, and national tournaments right here into Northeast Calgary, 
great for our local hospitality sector, local hotels, restaurants, and the local economy. I bring a passion and I'm driven to move our communities forward, and I'll keep advocating for the residents of Northeast Calgary. I'll push to diversify our economy. I'll push to create new jobs. I'll push to expand the Blue Line LRT and the BRT network up 60th Street into our new communities of Skyview Ranch, Redstone, Cityscape, and Cornerstone. I'm going to focus on our recreational facilities, make sure we repurpose some of our park spaces for growing and trending sports such as cricket and field hockey. And I'll make sure I keep working with all Northeast residents to increase inclusion and make sure all your voices are heard. Uh, during important uh, important decisions. Uh, and, and for me, uh, this is an, imp an important election and I need all of you uh, to do your research and select the right candidates. For more information, please check out votestand.ca and hopefully we can count on you to move Northeast Calgary and Calgary forward. Thank you. Arian, two minutes closing statement whenever you're ready. Well, my message to the residents uh, with respect to the first, they wanted to know how they can contact me, info at elixida.com or they can visit my website, elixida.com. Now, with respect to my closing statement, I do want to say uh, my name is Aryan Sadat. I'm running for the councillor for Ward 5. Uh, I'm a lawyer by profession. I practice law. I ran in 2017. The platform that I have, it's from 2017. 85% of my platform is from 2017. Let's not make the same mistake again. Let's make a inform, an informed decision. Let's make sure we vote for someone who actually care for this residence. I mean, for Ward 5. Uh, let's make sure that we actually do our due diligence that who put their name forward when the actual incumbent was there and not waited for the opportunity and being an opportunist. At the same time, track record speaks for itself. To all those residents, please make sure. I understand that Mr. Sandu is uh, giving the resume of Mr. Chahal. Well, that's your job, Mr. Sandu. And uh, we want to make sure that we make an informed decision. And I'm running my campaign based on accountability, affordability, and safer communities. The issues that we're facing right now in Calgary Ward 5, safety, police presence, uh, snow plowing, and making sure, even though Calgary Upper Northeast school issue is not my jurisdiction, I'll make sure I'll be a strong advocate and I'll make sure I get the job done. As I said, when my clients come to my law firm, I call them the bosses. And now the Ward 5 resident will be my bosses starting October 18. On October 18, Vote for Aryan Sadat and let's make this happen. Let's win together Ward 5 residents. Thank you so much. AlexSadat.com for more information. Thank you so much. Tahir, two minutes to yourself for closing statements whenever you're ready. First off, I want to thank all the candidates that have shown up tonight. Uh, the fact that we put our names forward uh, to run for public office is, is a challenge, but it's in the service of the people. Those of us that are here tonight understand leadership. We understand that we have to show up to be able to serve our people. And so thank you. Thank you to all of you for, for coming out tonight. And thank you, Chris, for hosting us. Now, this is a generational election. There are going to be hard decisions that this council has to make. And that requires leadership. Not only leadership that shows up, 
but leadership that understands risk management, that understands how to uh, financial budgets, that understands how to coordinate and collaborate with teams and different departments, that understands that there's different stakeholders with different voices that need to be considered. It also comes down to execution and delivery. So as a program manager and a project manager, that is what I do, I deliver. Now, when it comes to being an engineer, I have a different perspective. I bring something different, a different approach, a methodical data-driven approach, an understanding and a perspective that is 2021, not 2017. We need new ideas to get us through and past into the, the post-pandemic era. Now you have a choice here. You can stay with the status quo or you can take a, a chance and take this opportunity to make a difference for your Ward 5. That includes connected communities with reliable transit, extending the blue line, reducing crime, and making sure we have the ability to work together with other levels of government to prioritize how we get new schools built in new communities. I'm Tahir Morali, running for your Ford 5 city councillor. Please connect with me, votemorali.ca, and make sure you go out and vote by Sunday, as well as on October 18th. Thank you very much. Thank you. Tudor, whenever you're ready, two minutes to yourself. Thank you so much, Chris. And uh, I would like to uh, echo Mr. Morali's um, thoughts. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you've put a titan work together with all the interviews that you have done with the different candidates and the different boards. And it was statistically impossible that something like that, that what happened today with electricity uh, was going to happen when you have that many interviews. So a great job again, and thank you for having us. In regards to the constituents of Ward 5 and the voters of Ward 5, uh, I hope that throughout this debate, you've noticed that uh, when I talk about the policy issues or the problems that we have in Ward 5, I provide data, information, and solutions. I've talked about the statistics on affordable housing. I've talked about the cost on, um, on the blue line. I talked about how to make our communities better. I am all about policy solutions. Um, I've, I've been in the public sector. I've, uh, I've interacted with politicians for a very long time. And the reality is politicians can be very good at speaking in general terms, make you use what I make you feel good and to smile at the door. But at the end of the day, it is a question of substance. It is a question of policy. It is a question of solutions. That's how you move forward. Everybody can say nice things, but if you don't come with substance, it's, it becomes quite hollow. And I think that's what I will bring to the table if I get elected as your city councilor. I will bring to the city administration, uh, explain to them, demonstrate to them, bring them in the field to better understand what our issues are in Ward 5. We've waited way too long in Ward 5 for public transportation, for sustainable communities, for recreational facilities, and we have to address that. Again, uh, please check out my website at tutorforward5.ca and more specifically, look under my blog post. I've written on all these topics. I provided data, I provided documents, I provided plans, I provided even audio and video information so you can be better educated on the issues so that you can make the best decision possible. So please take some time and on October 18th and in advance voting, vote Tudor Dinka. Thank you so much. Thank you. And last, we'll go to Anand. Anand, two minutes to yourself whenever you're ready. Thank you. I'm uh, just going to tell you a little bit about myself and why I'm running. I was uh, born in South Africa, and in 1974, 
our family home was expropriated by the government of the day. We were fortunate enough to move to Canada, and like many new Canadians, we didn't have very much. I will be forever grateful to my parents who worked very hard and sacrificed a tremendous amount to give their children a better life. I'm now a businessman and an entrepreneur. It is in this spirit that I, I want to make life better for everyone in Ward 5. At the end of the day, I want to see more money in your pockets. I want to see your businesses thriving. I want to see you experiencing and enjoying the rich cultural community you live in. I want to see great relationships between neighbors as we help each other in life's daily issues, whether it be snow removal, car repairs, or home improvements. I want to see neighborhood barbecues and potlucks, kids playing together, and adult recreational sports and activities. If this is what you want, please support me in my bid for city council, and please ask your neighbors for their support. Together, you, we can re revolutionize what you expect from a counselor. If you want to contact me, you can email me at yycward5 at gmail.com. That's yycward5 at gmail.com. Or call me directly at 403-369-9637. That's 403-369-9637. Thank you. Thank you, candidates, for that. I'm just going to jump back on here for a second. Oh, if I can do this correctly, right there. I want to thank the candidates for taking time out of their busy schedule tonight and doing this. But I also want to take you, uh, thank you, the viewers uh, who have spent the last hour and 48 minutes with us, and in including that brief interruption. And I do apologize once again for that. Without voters, without candidates, democracy couldn't happen. I want everyone to take 90 minutes out of their day and educate yourself. Educate yourself on the people running for mayor. Educate yourself for the people running for school board, Senate, the plebiscite issues, and even, yes, councillors. Watch this back again, both parts, because there will be two parts after this, and educate yourself and get out and vote. Voting is currently underway and it runs until October 10th. And also get out on October 18th and vote. If you do not vote, you do not have a voice. So get out and vote. I will be back here tomorrow night with candidates for Ward 14 at seven o'clock. I wanna thank everyone for tuning in tonight. Have yourself an excellent rest of your Wednesday and enjoy your evening. Thank you so much and have yourself an excellent day.